Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number three of Revelation chapter 22. And we're continuing to look at verse 2. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations in our last study we saw that the tree of life was in the beginning in the garden of Eden and really it points to the Lord Jesus Christ it is spoken of here and there uh, throughout the Bible. References are made, uh, for instance, in a book of Proverbs, in chapter 3, verse 18, where God is speaking of wisdom. He says, She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. Of course, wisdom in Proverbs is personifying Christ, especially in Proverbs chapter 8, where its wisdom is spoken of as a person, and Christ is uh, said to be wisdom, sanctification, and righteousness in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. And and, and so it, it is Jesus himself who is a tree of life. And that makes sense because the eternal life that the people of God receive comes from the Lord Jesus Christ's atoning work. So he, it really is the one in view by the tree of life in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. The, the tree is already established and, um, and, and then mankind falls into sin, but the tree shows up again throughout the Bible and now at the very end in the last chapter of the last book. We found it in the first book of the Bible and now it's in the last book of the Bible because the Bible, the whole Bible is about Jesus. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. And it's about God's working out of his salvation program, his magnificent salvation and and so it it is appropriate that the tree of life makes its appearance at the end of the Bible, the concluding chapter of God's holy book, this this grand writing that comes right from the mouth of God. The tree of life appears, and she bears twelve manner of fruits. And as we saw in a previous chapter, the number twelve points to fullness. Fullness of the fruit. The fullness of the fruit from a tree of life. And, and what would be the fullness of, um, fruit that comes from a tree of life? Eternal life is what this fruit signifies. And all of God's people have access to the tree forevermore. And when you have access to the tree of life, you have life. It's only when 
um, there is sin and rebellion and death comes, that access is restricted and forbidden uh, unless you go through the flaming sword, unless you um, meet the law's demands of death, and and then you can, if you're uh, Almighty God and have His power, you can rise from the dead and uh, bring life to your people. But otherwise, anyone else attempting to get to the tree of life will be slain by the flaming sword. And that's how it's been with unsaved mankind and all their efforts to live, to obtain righteousness or life with God, uh, to obtain the kingdom of heaven. They have all been slain by the sword, by the law or the word of God itself as they have attempted uh, to bring themselves under the law by keeping it. The law has struck down one after the other, and none have made it through. Not a single individual can go that narrow way, that difficult way, that uh, it's impossible for man to uh, tread, man cannot go through. He he doesn't have the ability. But Christ is is God and, and man and he had the ability and and, and so we see the uh, tree of life bearing fruit and yielding her fruit every month and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. It's interesting uh, you know uh, today People have their remedies and, and oftentimes medicines, herbs and, and, um, things that, 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 uh, pro- promote healing of one kind or another come from the garden. They come from a tree or a plant or something like that. And yet here, the leaves of the tree of life are for the healing of the nations. And, the word healing is very significant. Remember how often Jesus would perform healings. We read in Luke chapter 9, in verse 11, And the people, when they knew it, followed him, and he received them, and spake unto them of the kingdom of God, and healed them that had need of healing. And every time that Christ healed the sick, it, it, whether it was um, blindness, deafness, lameness, um, a, a woman who could not stand upright, what, whatever the uh, ailment was, whatever the infirmity was, it was always a picture of salvation. Every single time. We read in Psalm 103, uh, this verse and notice how God joins these two ideas together in Psalm 103 verse 3 who forgiveth all thine iniquities who healeth all thy diseases and we've mentioned it before but this is an example of Hebrew parallelism and the way that works is God will make a statement in the first part of a verse, 
and he will say the same thing using different words in the second part of the verse. And it's very helpful once you see how often God does this because it helps us understand some uh, spiritual things. that God is able to define some um, pictures or, or some words in this way. For instance, here we can see the relationship between forgiving iniquity and healing diseases. And that that's what we were just saying that Jesus was doing when he performed all of his healings. Why was Christ going about healing the the physical ills of the people of his day? Well, it was one way that the power of God could be shown and demonstrated, and it was a a, a testimonial to who he was, but also it painted a picture of what he uh, was all about. The atoning work of Christ had to do with the forgiveness of iniquity, the washing away of sin, and therefore the physical healings taught that or pictured that. And uh, they illustrated that Christ was able to forgive sin every time he healed this one or that one. Now, one time, one time in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus did it in reverse order. Now, uh, first, let me just say that not every time Christ physically healed someone did that person become saved. Actually, probably most times they didn't. But it was always a picture of salvation. Yet one time, Jesus reversed the order. There was um, an infirm person. In Mark chapter 2, it says, beginning in verse 3, And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And, you know, uh, when when that statement is made, if there were any natural-minded people present, I'm sure there were, they were probably rolling their eyes. You you forgive his sins? Don't you see his great need? Look at him. He He's sick of the palsy. He has to be carried around. Uh, see, to the natural mind, it's always the physical that that is the greater. It's always the physical that is the main problem. Forgiveness of sins, that's fine. Yeah, that, that's a good thing. But we want the physical. Uh, just as when uh, when Christ um, performed the miracle of multiplying the loaves, uh, the bread and the few fishes. And, oh, that was a mighty miracle. And the people uh, swarmed a- after him on droves. And Jesus said, that they were following him uh, uh, because uh, they had seen him do this and provide this food. And 
and Christ was indicating that's not that's not a good thing. No, it the real food, it, the real bread from heaven, is in the spiritual realm, and you can have as much as that food. And as he said to the Samaritan woman at the well, you can drink from the water that I have to give you forevermore, spiritual water. But that it it doesn't register. It doesn't uh, make an impact to the natural-minded person because they live in the seen world, in, in their concern with things visible, things invisible, these concepts, these ideas, very well, uh, okay, but they're mainly focused on the visible. If you can provide visible food and and if you can provide uh, visible physical healing, well, then you're a great and mighty God to the people of the world. And yet, it, the truth is, the reality is, the far greater thing is always the spiritual. It, it's far greater to be fed with uh, spiritual bread and spiritual drink or to be spiritually healed than it is to eat, drink physically, or to be physically healed. And and that's what uh, is going on here. Jesus says, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And then in verse 6 of Mark 2, But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And, and that's a, a true statement. Who can forgive sins but God only? Only God. And therefore, Jesus, when he says, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee, is making a declaration, I am God. And uh, you always hear some people, especially Muslims, who say, Well, tell me, show me in the Bible, where does Jesus say he's God? Well, you can direct them here. Because only God forgives sins. And Jesus if he were a good prophet, like the Muslims uh, say he is, he would know that. And he would know that you have to leave forgiveness of sins to God only. Man doesn't get involved with that. Good prophets like Moses and Elijah and Isaiah, they, they didn't get involved with forgiving anyone's sins. But Jesus isn't only a good prophet. He's that prophet that God raised up like unto Moses, but he is the prophet and, and priest and king. He is God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. And therefore, he possessed the ability and power to forgive sins. And the scribes, they, they didn't know who he was. So, uh, they're they're making a charge which would be correct made of any other person, but it's incorrect made of Christ God in the flesh. And then in verse eight, and immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reason within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy? Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed, and walk. 
There's a question that Jesus asked. Which is easier? To uh, say, uh, rise up and walk, or to say your sins be forgiven? And of course, the easiest thing for God is to heal physically. It, uh, there's nowhere in the Bible that requires God to die uh, to heal someone physically. God, God can give legs, He can give eyes to see, ears to hear. Uh, and yes, He can do that. And it, it doesn't, um, have to be that He has to take that person's sins to do those things for that person physically. But to heal their sin-sick soul, to heal their uh, their sins, their iniquities, to forgive them, it requires that the Lord Jesus Christ take those sins upon himself, bear them, suffering and dying for them, under the wrath of God, until everyone has been paid and 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 then the, he can say, "Son, thy sins be forgiven thee." And notice the order here: Jesus, before he's gone to the cross, before, according to some people, he has suffered and died and and made payment for sin, is forgiving this person's sins. This man sick of the palsy. Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Well, who paid for those sins? At at that point, at that moment that Jesus said that that man's sins were forgiven. But who paid for them? Well, Jesus would. That means they were not paid for if he would do it at the cross. And, And if they were not yet forgiven, how could they be presently or if they were not yet paid for, how could they be presently forgiven? You see, you have another contradiction. Because the teaching that Christ paid for sins at the cross is false. It is not true, nor according to the word of God. But, again, we have a solution once we understand, oh, Jesus died for his elect sins, which this man would be one of those elect from the point of the world's foundation, and therefore he's already suffered, he's already died, and and he is eligible. Now he can say to this man or any other elect, thy sins be forgiven. And it that is in harmony with the whole Bible. The other idea is another disjointed thing, another um, scripture that's out of place. We, we, we wonder, and you have to develop these elaborate schemes and ideas. Well, you know, if God uh, guarantees something, it's as good as though it happened. And yeah, you, you have a whole web of elaborate schemes in order to try and harmonize then you can know you don't have truth. That's why you need to develop these um, contrived connections in, in order to explain so many verses, and yet these verses are easily explained by the truth that Jesus had long ago died before the world was. Then uh, he the will takes effect, then 
uh, there's blood, the blood of Christ, available to remit sins, and so forth. Everything falls into place. Well, it goes on to say, in verse 10 of Mark 2, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thy house, into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. It would have been an amazing thing, but you see, what they're amazed at is the lesser thing, the the easier thing, the physical thing. And and today it's why the um, social gospels and charismatic gospels and that that they're more popular because they play to the natural mind. They show the people the invisible God, the invisible things of God, or, that, or so they profess to show it. They show the healings as people um, miraculously get up. And, and of course, uh, as Mr. Camping used to say, there's a lot of shenanigans going on, a lot of deception, especially when you add the element of TV and cameras. You can easily deceive a television audience. And there's all these things going on to give the appearance of action by God. Action in the realm, the physical realm, that people can perceive. And and now you get droves coming. Droves that want to see the, the emotion uh, they 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 want to be stirred to feeling to come down an aisle, and it, it's all in the wrong realm. It's all taken place in the physical, and it is geared towards man's physical side, just like the music of modern Christianity wants to get the body moving, just like the world's music. Then if you are swaying to the gospel music, then you're having some kind of spiritual experience. You're not having any spiritual experience. You're having a physical experience because it is carnal and and worldly and that which appeals to the natural mind of man. But the music of the kingdom of God it soothes the soul. It really does speak to the spirit. And and the soul of the child of God soars when he hears or she hears the wonderful music of God's kingdom. But that's boring. That, that doesn't register with the non-elect, with the unsaved. Well, uh, here uh, we see Jesus making a point that ye may know the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, then he healed physically. That was the reason for physical healings. And, and, and so now we find in Revelation 22 that the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And that would be the nations of the elect, the nations of them which are saved. Christ has healed them all. He has healed them of their iniquity, of all their diseases, 
spiritually. They have been cleansed. They have been washed and forgiven of all sin. And now they enter into the kingdom of God in perfect health. Perfect spiritual health, body and soul, because God has even uh, given them new bodies at this point, and uh, there there's no disease spiritually any longer. The tree of life has healed the nations, and uh, if we look at Third John, there's an interesting verse that uh, really fits this idea in 3 John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Good health, people wish others. I hope you're feeling better. Well, really, spiritually, good health is salvation. And on the other hand, you can have all the physical good health you could want. And some people, they're really working hard to keep their physical body that is seeing corruption in the best of shape. Isn't that sort of a contradiction? But they're able to do it for a, a length of time. And they work, work, work. And yet they spend no time at all on the health of their soul. And they, they don't realize how full of leprosy and all manner of diseases the soul of the sinner is. How ugly, if you ever see an illness untreated go on for a period of time, it festers and oozes with, uh, with pus and it, it's just an ugly thing. Well, that's a good picture of the soul of the unregenerate man, the unregenerate sinner, it, it, it's full of diseases. But God has cleansed the soul, healed the soul of his people. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.